Welcome to McKinsey Talks Talent, featuring McKinsey leaders and talent experts Brian Hancock and Bill Shanninger. I'm Lucia Rahili. Today, the internal talent marketplace. It's a cool AI-enabled online platform that leaders can use to match open jobs with existing employees. McKinsey has actually developed a version of a talent marketplace specifically to support displaced Ukrainian refugees. Here's associate partner Emily Field to share more. We really asked the question, how can we help? What can we do given the terrible war in Ukraine? Many Ukrainian refugees are fleeing into new countries. You know, they have to find jobs, new livelihoods in order to be able to support their families. And so we realized that these individuals with incredible talents needed to be connected to jobs that are hiring now. And so we said, we can build a talent marketplace and partner with a range of refugee organizations, technology partners, so that we're there to serve Ukrainian refugees when they're ready to find employment. And now Emily joins us to discuss how an internal talent marketplace can work for your organization. Emily, welcome to the podcast. And Brian and Bill, welcome back. Let's start with some context. We have all seen headlines about the global talent shortage. Bill? It would appear that there is a frothy market where people are just leaving for more money. In other cases, you see people saying, you know, I actually don't like what I do. It doesn't line up with my purpose, and I've spent 15 months at home, and if I'm going to go to work, it actually needs to matter. Maybe it's as simple as flexibility. You know, after showing that jobs can be done remotely, We are seeing some companies come out and say things like, well, that's a perk to work from home. And I think the answer to that is no way. No way. You've just had a large swath of the workforce show that they can get a lot done. And they're not dragging themselves to work. They're not sitting in traffic. They're not on crowded and cramped public transportation. And oh, by the way, they're not doing that while there's still a pandemic going on. Emily, what we're talking about is an acute talent shortage. Tell us about a talent marketplace. What is a talent marketplace and how might it help employers meet this particular challenge? So at its core, talent marketplaces are really about bridging that supply and demand. So take the supply. It's about identifying the talent you have, the skills that they have, and understanding who's open to new experiencers or new roles. Interestingly, While people are switching jobs right now, we're hearing that upward of 80% of those people want growth, want new opportunities. It's about real-time visibility into the labor supply. They're giving managers and leaders access to a bigger talent pool who might not be visible and who might actually leave the organization. Is that right? That's exactly right. And if you think about it, The thing about digital talent marketplaces is that it really sort of democratizes the process. It creates more transparency and visibility into open opportunities. Additionally, we know that it can really reduce bias. And so important as we think about this from the diversity, equity, and inclusion lens. We know that women are much less likely to apply for jobs if they don't meet the qualifications. So we often hear that a man will apply for a job if he has 60% of the criteria. <laughs> right. Are we, going, are we going to queue up the men are 
men are uh, horrible judges of their own talent uh, component. I think that's, that's what's later. coming. <laughs> so keep going. No worries. Uh, so men, 60% qualified, whereas women want to be able to be 100% qualified to hit all every single skill required. What a digital talent marketplace does is it actually infers the skills that you have. And so, for example, let's say you're a software engineer. You probably know Python, R, for example, and it infers the skills and then can match you to jobs for which you have those skills or you're in near match. And so it takes the guesswork out, which is so critical when we're saying we also want to make sure that we're creating opportunities in an equitable and inclusive way. Are these skills subjectively described? Are the skills attached to the individual or are the skills attached to the role? You know, the company sets the knowledge, skills, attributes, and experiences that they're asserting are required. There's clearly an opportunity to move on those. And, let, let, and so there is something about where do we set the bar and can we change the bar, not just lower the bar, but change the bar to open up the funnel. But I think what Emily is getting at is about how can we actually know what people know and or might be capable of in the form of that match, you know, to make it broader and make it more transparent. Did you know you're this close, you know, to these sorts of roles? I mean, Brian, your clients in the insurance where we we're talking about adjusters and adjusters becoming actually really good in customer service, which would and previously probably would not have lined up against what the experience requirements were for some of the uh, customer service roles, but they ended up being really, really good at it. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. When you when you recognize that what makes somebody particularly good in sales is being able to describe in excruciating detail, hey, here are the types of accidents that can happen that you may not be thinking about. And so understanding that the underlying skill was the ability to describe a claim, and then that opened it up from, hey, we might not need people just with sales experience. There are all these adjusters that know claims really, really well. And maybe if we provide a little bit of supplemental skill, you know, they'd be very qualified to move into these other parts. You know, if a company really understands the skills you have or is able to impute it and really understands what they need, you you can get marketed to. And I think that marketing disintermediated from other places, you know, can help build awareness of jobs that people may not have been aware of. It can help people from diverse communities that may not naturally have the mentors to point out those opportunities may plant the seed in their mind. So I think there are a lot of cool things that these marketplaces can do when they really understand the skills that somebody has and really understands um, you know, what skills are needed in the roles. There are things that the company needs to do. Those things are activities. Those activities convert to tasks. Previously, those tasks probably were grouped together into a set of responsibilities, and we called that a role, drew a box around it. What's happening now is looking at a lot of these boxes or roles and saying, what's all the things that thing has to do? It's task. Now, what do we think we need from a skill standpoint to have confidence that a person will be able to successfully do that? So that's matching task to skill, and then for that, the skill and saying, okay, that's the first design choice. Are we being too conservative? Are we being thoughtful enough about alternative skills, adjacent skills? Can we train that? You know, what part do we have to bring in versus what part can they learn on the job? That is the first point at which you have an opportunity to really broaden out. Then the matching 
that we're describing, the looking at people's previous roles, the understanding historically what that has meant from a task standpoint, a skill standpoint, you can start getting a sense of how close are people you know, to being able to fill it. But that first bit, what assumptions are you making? That's a big deal that many organizations in the past have just skipped over. And so one of the nice things is the transparency and by using, you know, data, by using AI, by using really cool tools, we can start seeing patterns going, hey, you know, we're seeing these skills on the rise in these roles, but these on the wane, maybe we shouldn't have that as criteria anymore. So it's just, it, it's, it still has a human interface. But by being able to look across many more roles, many more skills, many more applicants or people, you start getting a sense of, wait, hey, the trend seems moving here. Should we look at that? So also much has been made right about college degrees and whether four-year degrees are either sufficient or even necessary to fill some of these critical gaps that we're seeing. Feels like this might indicate that we are over-indexing in some cases on college degrees and help to mitigate that. Is that right? By turning the focus onto skills versus certain kinds of accreditation? In many ways, uh, college degree is, you know, an achievement, but it's not a great proxy for the actual things that you need to do on the job. And some of what we've been talking about is there are some talent marketplaces that use AI to infer that based on your work history, what you're doing, and can infer the skills that you have. And that, and by inferring the skills that you have, it then can suggest other matches. There are also ways of instead of inferring skills that you have, that you can actually certify the skills that somebody has. You can take a test or you can develop a credential. And those credentials can also be signaling devices within a talent marketplace to say, hey, this person is qualified for the job. But whether it's using an AI algorithm or whether it's using a test or a credential, all of those uh, in many cases are much better indicators of whether somebody can do the job than whether they graduated with a two-year or four-year degree. So Emily, say a little bit more about how an internal talent marketplace might help employees. From an individual perspective, right, the payoff or benefit is massive, right? They're able to stay at the organization that presumably they've chosen to be at, um, and they are able to transition to a role that either perhaps they're a match for already, they already have the skills they need, or perhaps there's a couple of skills that they need to build and the organization can help diagnose those gaps and provide targeted training to prepare them for that role. From the employer perspective, there's the one, just the ability to move talent dynamically we know that organizations that are able to do that outperform. And they're able to keep people within the organization that are perhaps already a culture fit, are able to add more value from day one of the job because they don't have the startup costs. And then finally, I'd say just from a societal impact perspective, we can think about the fact that an employer is helping their employees create the skills to thrive in a new part of the organization instead of the alternative exits where possible. Brian, do you have examples of greater retention and so forth, greater engagement that you're starting to see from these talent marketplaces? I think it's still early days as we think about you know, the more advanced talent marketplaces. 
But what we are seeing is that if companies don't do it in their internal marketplace, the external marketplace can also mm -hmm. access that talent mm -hmm. and start to entice them with interesting opportunities. And maybe just one statistic to bring this to life and why this matters. A recent survey suggested that 26% of workers said that they were going to look for a new job after the threat of the pandemic. Put that in the context of we have more jobs than people looking for work. This becomes an even bigger threat to the employer. And so the question becomes, how might the employer, how might the company create opportunities within the organization to be able to retain those people that we know are looking for different jobs? Brian, you referred to this as uh, being early days for these kinds of talent marketplaces. Have you seen increased uptake of this kind of technology as the skill shortage has become more palpable during the pandemic? I have, and, and the market has too. And what I've seen from organizations deploying these types of tools, you know, the investors um, have a rational hypothesis. I mean, it's definitely something that we're seeing uh, as the skill shortage continues, definitely something that we're seeing uh, pick up more and more. Okay, so suppose you're a leader you're looking at a shortage and you think, all right, I'm going to set up an internal talent marketplace to try to make the most of the talent that I have in-house. Where do you start? Start where you need it the most. It sounds like Captain Obvious, right? But some skill pools matter more than others. Some roles matter more than others. And you can say to people with certainty, we are not hacking these roles. We are investing in them and the people in them you might just find that you get a little bit more of a flow than you thought. That would be one. The second, it should be a little embarrassing that you don't actually know what your employees can do. I mean, you invest so much in them from an asset standpoint, but we collect job titles. We're not actually really deeply understanding what they can do currently and what they might be able to do with a little bit of upskilling. And so I would encourage them to push hard that way. They don't have to do it for every role in every skill pool. Some are going to wind down, but for the ones that matter, double down and be super overt about it. Get caught doing it. Are there particular kinds of work and particular kinds of talent that are most appropriate for this kind of marketplace? It can be project-based work where you, know, you understand the skills and you're matching it to a short-term project, but it also works as an internal job board. So if you've got uh, a set of maybe full-time jobs internally that are hard to fill, you know, a talent marketplace can help really suss out who has the skills or if you've got a particular group of underrepresented folks from a DEI standpoint, and you really want to understand what skills they have so that you can better match and promote, that you can you know, kind of pull those folks through the organization, you know, that's also a good use for the job board, pulling those people to both the project and the full-time opportunities. Yeah, I mean, that might also help with the managerial incentive can see a situation where you might be loath to open up your best folks to projects beyond your team unless you were in a pre-existing project work situation, right? There's a real need for employers who need to hire now more than ever to say, how can we wrap our arms around these employees? How can we create opportunities that would make them want to stay within the organization? And so there's an opportunity to say, 
Where are we decreasing our need? And where are the needs increasing? Where are their skill adjacencies? And how can we transition people from the jobs that are decreasing to the jobs that are hiring so that then we can avoid transitioning people out of the workforce? And if we think about if COVID's taught us anything, it's really about the role of the organization in terms of economic growth, inclusive growth, and this idea that an employer can keep their people and create new opportunities for them instead of having them exit is a real win-win for the employer and the individual. Thanks so much for listening. I'm Lucia Rahilly with Brian Hancock and Bill Shanninger. Subscribe to McKinsey Talks Talent wherever you get your podcasts. And if you have questions for Brian and Bill, write to us at McKinseyTalksTalent at McKinsey.com. We'd love to hear from you, and we may answer your question on the show. Be well.